0: Before the kids go, I got a question. I, went, I was hoping the kids could help me with my sermon. So, are there any kids that could come down here before you head over there? Could you come over here? It's fun. It's fun. And there's a pre, there's a prize for you. There's a prize in the sack. Yeah. Now, like, well, there's a prize. Yeah. I just got a, I got a couple of questions, and I want you guys to show because I got to teach the adults something, and I don't think they know this stuff yet, and I know you guys do. So. Have you ever heard of a guy in the Bible named Jonah? You know about, you know about Jonah, and Jonah, Jonah was swallowed by a giant hippopotamus. Was it, what? Was it, oh, it was a fish. It was a fish. Okay. What was Jonah's job? Go. go. To go to Nineveh, right? And he did he did he say, Yeah, I'm going to Nineveh. No, he went the other way, and. He didn't go to Nineveh, and that's why he got swallowed by the giant hamster. Fish. I will try to get that right before I have to teach you guys. Okay. So Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. He was a prophet, right? So he's supposed to go give God's message to the people of Nineveh. He didn't want to, and he got swallowed by this giant. You say fish? I think maybe it was a hamster. Anyway, so that's good. Very good. Okay. That's. It was a whale. Might have been a whale. Okay. Well I have a I have I have something for you for your snack time today. That's okay, I want to see if you can guess what this is. It is kind of related to the story of Jonah in that Jonah was swallowed by a giant fish. And so I have something for you for your snack time today. Can you guess what it is? Go what? No, it's not goldfish, it's sardines. Here, it's a can of sardines for you. So, Don't you guys like those? Oh I'll I'll keep this. I bet I it's goldfish. I got goldfish. And and Swedish fish. Swedish fish. You guys like Swedish fish? I love Swedish. That's not real Swedish fish. They're multicolored. So I couldn't find Swedish fish. But I love just keep that in mind when it comes time for preacher present times. Preacher loves Swedish fish. So, you know, thank you very much. You guys have been a big help. Give him a little give him a little love. Show them a little love there. And this will be my lunch today. I just think he's preaching that whole sermon with a can of sardines in his pocket. That's what you can think of today while you're listening to that. So I dare say that what the kids told us about Jonah, most of you probably could have answered the same questions. Um, you, most of you have, uh, have heard the story. You're aware of the story of Jonah. Because there was a time when you were their age that your Sunday school teacher or somebody, maybe a parent, decided that you needed to hear the story of Jonah. And you, you read the story of Jonah. You colored pictures of the big fish and the little man inside of it. And, and you heard the story. And maybe you went to Sunday school. And you know, I've, I've even seen where they'll take uh, like paper mache and they'll make a giant fish mouth and the kids all sit in there on a uh, piece of sponge rubber that's like the tongue, and they have the lesson in that kind of an area. You know, that's that's what they teach, uh, how they teach the story of Jonah. So you you heard that story as a child, and then you grew up, and you didn't really think much about Jonah again. You didn't think about the story, what it meant, what it's all about. You just kind of left it. You grew up, and you didn't need to think about that anymore. What did the story mean? Uh, what what does the story of Jonah mean? And, and what does it mean to us today? You know, why would the story of Jonah have any significance? We're going to look at Luke chapter 11. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells us that the story of Jonah defines His ministry. That it defines His message. It defines who He is and why He came. And if it defined Jesus, and we are His church, we are the body of Christ, then it defines us as well. There are lessons in this story that are not just for children; they're for adults. We're going to look at Luke chapter 11. It's page 870 in the Bibles there in the pews, 870, Luke 11, verses 29 through 32. But before we look there, I want to back up just a few verses, also in Luke, to an encounter that Jesus had in verse 14. In Luke 11:14, it says, "Now he was casting out a demon." That was mute. And when the demon had gone, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. They wanted a sign. Why did they want a sign? They wanted Jesus to to prove himself to them. They wanted Jesus to show them that he was powerful and to prove that he had come from God and they're saying, just amaze, amaze us, Jesus, show us something amazing, and we will believe in you. You know, amuse us, put on a show, and we will put our faith in you. Now, you remember that Luke tells us that at this time, Jesus had set his face to go to Jerusalem, that that was his focus. We call this final year of ministry, we call it the year of opposition. Jesus Jesus stopped doing as many miracles during this year, and His teachings got harder, more difficult for the people. And a lot of people quit following Him because Jesus was calling them to deeper commitment. Jesus was saying things like, if anyone would come after Me, He must deny Himself, take up His cross daily, and follow Me. He was saying things like in the Gospel of John where He says, if anyone comes after Me, he must eat My flesh and drink My blood because My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And people said, this is weird, this is strange, and this is hard, and we don't want to follow anymore. So what did he say to those who demanded a sign? We begin in Luke 11, verse 29. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except... Something greater than Jonah is here. He says in verse 29 this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. I think people are still looking for signs. I think they're looking for a sign from the church. They're looking for a sign from us to prove ourselves to them. Prove it to me, church. Prove it to me, Christians. Prove to me that you have a message that I need, that you have something that's going to make my life better, my family better, something that's going to impact me. Prove to me that you have the truth, that you have something of value. What do we have to offer them? We have exactly what Jesus had to offer. The message of the cross, the message of Christ, the the sign of Jonah, as He put it, here. I hope we get that. I hope we know that Jesus is central to everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we believe. And I hope for our sake and for the sake of those around us that we live like our message matters. Jesus says no sign will be given to them except the sign of Jonah. What did He mean by the sign of Jonah? There's a parallel passage over in Matthew. It's a similar passage in Matthew chapter 12. And yet that one's different. There they ask for a sign as well. Jesus says, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And there He ties the message or the sign of Jonah directly to the cross and to the tomb. But Luke doesn't do that with this here. Instead, Luke tells us, as Luke tells the story, Jonah himself was the sign. So how is Jonah the sign? You know, like, like I said, most of us, most of us put Jonah away a long time ago. Most of us don't really remember the details of the story of Jonah, and what little we remember is what we colored as a kid, what we learned as a kid. You know, and we remember there's Jonah and and the whale. Well, you know, the Bible never actually says it's a whale. By the way, you know, that's that's kind of in our interpretation. The Bible never says whale. The Bible says big fish, or Big beastie, you know, it's a big beast of some sort in the, in the water. Um, do you remember why Jonah got swallowed by the big fish? Do you remember what the, what the problem was? Jonah ran from God. God had told Jonah, go to Nineveh. He said, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach to the people of Nineveh and, and tell them that in 40 days, if they don't repent, in 40 days, I will wipe them out. And Jonah said, no, thank you. I, I don't really want to do that. And uh, now Nineveh, Nineveh was a was an evil city. Nineveh was a Nineveh was a bad place. Nineveh was, you know, this is stuff that we don't teach the kids and you probably shouldn't. But Nineveh was evil. If they didn't like you in Nineveh, they they had these long, these tall spikes and they would drop you on the spike and impale you and, and you wouldn't die instantly. You would just Gravity would do its work and you would die a very slow and horrible, painful death. If they didn't like you in Nineveh, they would cut your hands and feet off and cut off the tip of your nose. One of their favorite things to do to their enemies in Nineveh is they would fillet you alive. And then they would make handbags out of human skin. This was an evil place. This was an awful... Yeah, don't tell our kids those stories about Nineveh. This was an awful, awful place. And in Jonah's head... Jonah's thinking if anyone needs to be wiped out, it's Nineveh. Yes, wipe them out. God says, go to Nineveh. He says, I'm not going to Nineveh. Jonah felt like they needed to be wiped out. So instead, here's where Jonah is. He's down here in Joppa, right? And he's supposed to go to Nineveh, which is 550 miles away. Instead, Jonah gets a boat in Joppa and he goes to Tarshish, which is is 2,500 miles away completely in the opposite direction. He runs from God. And you know the rest of that story. There's this horrible storm, they throw Jonah overboard, this fish comes along, this giant fish comes along and swallows him, and and that's where we usually pick up the story at that point. It was then that Jonah learned in that in the belly of that beast that if God calls you to do something, you probably should do it. If God calls you to do something, you, you really probably ought to do it. It's probably in your best interest if you do what God has called you to do. Because our message matters. Our message matters to us. Our message matters to the people around us. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the Gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of that message. We can't be ashamed. There is no other source of power for salvation. It is this message that we have. Later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 22 through 24, Paul says, kind of echoing Jesus here, he says, "Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews" and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That's our message. That's what our world needs to hear. And so our question for us is, do we live like it matters? Do we live like that message matters? Do we live like they will perish if we don't tell them this message? Do we live like if we don't tell them we're being unfaithful to God's call? Verse 30 Verse 30 says, For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be for this generation. I've told you many times what my prayer has been for this community. It's from John chapter 12, verse 32. In John 12, 32, Jesus says, if I be lifted up, and, and He's pointing to the cross in that. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to Me. And my prayer since coming to Kansas has been, let's don't lift up Kansas Christian Church. Let's don't lift up our plans and our programs. Let's don't lift up how awesome we are. Let's lift up Christ. There's no promise in how awesome we are. The, the only promise we have is in Christ. Let's lift Him up and, and just trust that He will draw people to Him as we do that. As we live it out. As we live like our message matters. And to do that, our, to do that effectively, our message needs to be clear to our community. So we know about God's call. He calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. We know about the giant fish. Then what happened? Let me read to you a little bit from Jonah. It's back in Jonah chapter two and chapter three. So Jonah's unfaithful. Jonah gets, a, gets on a ship to go to Tarshish. Giant fish swallows him. Jonah prays from the fish. Three days later, what happens? Jonah, chapter two, verse 10 is very blunt. And the Lord spoke to the fish. I like that part. The Lord spoke to the fish. I told you last week I talked to cats, so I'm not that weird if God's talking to fish. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Just imagine that scene right there. Blah, there it is. All of a sudden, you get a this guy. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Not going to argue with God this time. According to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey. He called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them just imagine for a moment you you witness that you know you're you're there on the beach at the in the Mediterranean and and you're out for the day on the beach you know and maybe you're just kind of enjoying the view and you're watching the waves come in and all of a sudden this gigantic fish just beaches itself and the next thing you know blah you know and there's this guy that just gets spit up on the beach now he's been in the belly of this beast for three days. In our pictures, Jonah looks fine. But imagine, you know, something about him did not agree with the fish, okay? (laughs) His preaching did not agree with the fish. Um, Imagine what this is like. This guy's been in the belly. The stomach acids have worked on him for three days. His clothes are gone. His hair is gone. There's probably places where his skin is gone, where he's just red and nasty and Jonah will spend the rest of his life very very sensitive to the sun and you need to remember that when you get to chapter 4 of the book of Jonah don't look at it now but you've got to keep that in mind he will spend the rest of his life being burned constantly by the sun so this guy gets spit up on the beach and his first words out of his mouth is repent you're going to be interested to hear what this guy has to say yeah that's the kind of thing that grabs your attention that's the kind of thing that you're suddenly thinking, well, yeah, this, this guy may have some new ideas that I'm interested in, in hearing about. I mentioned Nineveh was an evil place, but it was also a, a huge place. Nineveh was one of the biggest cities in the ancient land. And keep in mind that this was a time when people still lived in tents, they lived in tents in little settlements with their families and they, would, they were nomadic and they'd set up a tent and live here and then they'd set up a tent over here. So Nineveh is a city that is completely different than what the average person is, is aware of and, and what the average person experiences. Nineveh was, was this huge city. It had walls eight miles around it. And the walls were 100 feet high and they were 50 to 65 feet thick in different places. The symbol... Nineveh. They didn't have writing like we have today. They, they used cuneiform, kind of like hieroglyphics. And the symbol for Nineveh was a water enclosure and a fish. You see the fish? You see it? Oh, It's a fish. There. You're reading cuneiform now. Good job. That meant Nineveh. That was their symbol. And the reason why the symbol for Nineveh was a water enclosure and a fish was there was this myth. There was this legend that at one time this fish man had come out of the ocean and this fish man was their God. And, and his name was Dagon. Around here we say Dagon, right? But it was, it was Dagon is what his name was. That was their God. It was this, this fish man. Half man, half fish. He was their local God. Their faith said that fish man is our creator. That fish man is powerful. That fish man is, is everything to us. And our entire society is built around Dagon, the fish man, and so much so that our 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 town is even named after him. That we are the town that welcomes the fishman. So imagine that's your worldview, and suddenly this guy walks in your town who's been inside of a fish, right? And you can see that he's been inside of a fish, and you can smell that he's been inside of a fish for a while. And suddenly there's this very visible sign, this very visible and... <laughs> You can smell that there's something greater than your worldview. That there's something greater than your system of beliefs. That their God has done this to this man. And so suddenly there's this awareness that my belief system may not be the best. Who better to speak to that culture and that belief system than someone whose life had been impacted by the reality that God's more powerful than the big fish you know, God is more powerful than that. His very appearance confronted that reality. So who better to speak to the needs of East Central Illinois, of Edgar, Clark, and Coles County, uh, of Kansas, who better to speak to the needs of this county, of this area, than people who look like they're from here. Than people who talk like they're from here. Than people who smell like they're from here. I mean, would it be better if we went and got some guy from New York City to come and teach us the gospel? I'm not going to listen to some guy from New York. Would it be better if we got someone from Los Angeles? Get someone from Los Angeles to come tell us the gospel? No, that doesn't make sense. It, it, our people are going to be impacted by what they see and experience by people who, who are here, people who know their concerns, who know their loves, who know their struggles, who know their pains, who know their hearts. If Jonas, if God said, go to Kansas, He would choose people from Kansas. When God said, I want to take my message to people in this area, He chose us. You notice, Jesus doesn't just talk about Jonah here in in chapter 11. He also cites the Queen of the South. That's the the Queen of, of Sheba. He says in verse 31, says, The Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba, will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. You remember the story? The Queen of Sheba hears that Solomon is this incredibly wise man, and so she comes to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She came a great distance to, to hear and experience the wisdom of Solomon, which is kind of crazy, because she could have just stayed home and read his blog, right? She could have just just done that, or gone to Walmart and bought, bought Solomon's latest book, because you know it's probably going to be there. No, you're, they can't do that, right? But, but that's what we do today. If you want wisdom, where do you go for wisdom? Well, uh, I'm experiencing some pains and I've got a headache. And so I get out my phone and I punch it up. And, you know, oh, there it is on Google. I, I can punch in all of my symptoms and, oh, I got a tumor. Oh, you know, that's that's what it tells us, you know? And, and we accept that as truth. We we, we get our truth from from the internet, we grit our truth from other sources. And those are real options for people today, for the people around us. There are a lot of options for wisdom. There are a lot of options that are more convenient than coming to church on a cold winter morning in Kansas, Illinois. There are options where you never have to leave your home. You, you never have to get out of your pajamas. And there's options like that. Why would, why would people ever want to come here? especially when it's cold, especially when it's been snowing. You can get this stuff online. You can even get my sermons online. Why bother coming here? Let me tell you, they don't come here for me. They come here for you. They come here for for interaction. It's because you're important to them. It's because in a world where you can get answers at your fingertips, you still need human interaction. You still need touch. You still need people to connect with people who speak your language, people who look like you and and smell like you, people who love like you and, and hurt like you. And so our message needs to be clear to our world. They need to be able to see it and hear it and know it. And they need to do that because they know us. We need to live like our message matters. We need to make our message known clearly to the people around us. And then our message must call for a response. Our message has to call for a response. That's that's one of the problems with this generation's source of information. That's one of the problems with, with the, the Internet. It, there's, no, there's no accountability on the Internet. There is, there is no accountability. You read something, and maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not true. But what difference does it make? No one calls you for a response. No one calls you to, to commit. All they want you to do is click. Maybe, maybe you give it a thumbs up. But you don't have to make a commitment. You don't have to repent. You don't have to turn your life around. And if you don't like what you've read, you find another web page that agrees with you, right? You don't have to listen to that one. Find another one that actually does agree with me. You know, we can't do that. You know, Jonah didn't just walk through Nineveh with a sign that says, like me on Facebook. You know, that wasn't his message. His message was, in 40 days, you will be wiped out. You have to change. You have to do something. You have to turn your lives around. And you look at the response. Jonah chapter 3 again, verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And so what did the people do? It says, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. They called for a a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. From the king, from the guy who really liked filleting people and turning them into handbags, to the next guy on the list of people to be filleted. They all repented. They all uh, fasted and, and put on sackcloth. And Jonah, there's there's one weird thing about. <laughs> there's a lot of weird things about the story. But one of the really weird things about the story of Jonah, they didn't just fast themselves. They made their animals fast too. They made the livestock fast. They made the cattle fast. They made the sheep fast. Can you imagine? Can you imagine telling, explaining to your dog. Uh, we're going to fast for three days. He would eat you. you know. <laughs> Our cats would be eating us after like, I don't know, 20 minutes. You know, it wouldn't take three days. You know, like we're all going to fast. Well, that, that tells me that they had no idea what fasting was. And in chapter 4, God tells Jonah there are over 100,000 people in this city who don't know their right hand from their left hand. What kind of people do we say that about? People who are kind of slow, right? He doesn't know his right hand from his left hand. We say that about someone who's a little slow. They're not the brightest people in the world, but they're still loved by God. They're still still special to God. They don't understand how fasting works, but you know what? Their heart is in it. Uh, They're going to give it their all. They're going to do what they think is the right thing. They heard the call to repent, and they repented. And Jesus says of the people of Nineveh, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. What's going to happen with this generation? What's going to happen with this generation that calls sin a lifestyle choice or sin an option? We call sin, that's your your choice, this is my choice, over here we we refuse to call sin sin where we have a very well-known preacher on the tv and on the internet whose books you can buy at walmart and this very well-known preacher says i refuse to address sin because i'm not called to do that well jesus was called to die for it you can't take a stand and tell people what's wrong You can't take a stand and say, you're doing things that Jesus died for, and I have an answer for you. I have something that will change your life and will change your eternity. You can't take a stand for something like that. And so we have this this cheap grace that leads to cheap holiness that just makes you feel good about who you are now. And and we have a world full of people who never give themselves to Jesus Christ. They never repent. They never confess His name, and they never know what the Bible calls salvation. So, there's some questions that we need to ask ourselves. I don't have. Any, I, if anyone gets these questions right, you can you can have my my sardines. You can't have my sardines anyway. There's some questions that we need to ask ourselves as a church, and I think they're an important questions. One of the questions. Does our message matter to our community? We need to ask the question, does our message matter to our community? See, it doesn't matter to our community whether or not we have a Super Bowl party. And by the way, we're going to have a Super Bowl party and it's going to be great. And I'm going to make hot wings again and it's going to be awesome. You know, we're going to have a good time. But it doesn't matter to our community if we do that. It really doesn't matter to our community whether or not we feed 40 to 47 high school students every Wednesday. It doesn't matter if we do that. It doesn't matter if we have a youth program, if we have great worship, if we have great time together. It doesn't matter to our community whether or not we pack 140 shoeboxes and send them overseas. What is going to matter to our community is whether or not they saw Christ in us. Whether or not they saw Jesus. Did we make Him known to them? Did they see Him in the way that we treated them? Did, we see the, did, did they see Jesus in the way that we loved them and let Him love them through us? and when we asked them if they wanted to follow him and make him their lord did they see did they see his grace in us there's another question that really gets to the heart of it and the question is do they know what our message is for that matter do do we know what our message is do we really know why we're here do we really know what this is all about and i think i think a lot of us have a pretty good grasp on it you know we get it you know jesus Went to the cross, He died, He sacrificed, and He died for us, and we commit to Him and give our lives to Him. But my goal for us is that we would be able to express clearly what the, what the ministry of this church is about and what the message of this church is about, that we would be able to, to tell people who we are and, and what we're all about. People are confused about churches. People are really confused about churches. They don't know what churches are. Uh, they think, well, a uh, church it's like a club. You know, or it's like a civic organization, or it's a charity that I give to and that I'm involved with. You know, they, they think maybe that's what a church is. It's a, or they think a church is a place where a bunch of hypocrites go to feel better about themselves. That's that's what a church is. Just a place where a bunch of hypocrites go to feel better about themselves. Let me tell you, if we don't define who we are, then this generation will define us for us, and they will define us based on our worst based on the, the hypocrisy they see. They will define us based on the very worst of what we do. If we don't define who we are and what our message is, other people will do it for us. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said, something greater than Jonah is here. Did you notice that? Some of your Bibles say someone greater than Jonah. But the language is pretty specific. It is something greater than than Jonah is here. He's not just talking about himself. What's the thing he's talking about? I think part of the thing that he's talking about, he's talking about you and me. Something greater than Jonah is here. He's talking about us. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about our message, the hope that we bring to this world. I think that's why he moves, if you follow the the text, if you follow the context of this discussion, I think that's why he moves from the story of Jonah, from, from the Uh, from the the sign of Jonah to the very next verse where He says in verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hillside cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and hide it under a basket. No, they put it on a stand so that it gives light to the whole house. And he says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine before all men so that they might see your good deeds. So they might see your good deeds and they might praise your Father in heaven. Shine so that your world sees your light. Shine so that the world sees Jesus in you. Shine so they will know the message that we care, that we love them, that we have a message of life, a message of hope, A message of forgiveness, a message of peace. We're going to stand together and sing. And as we sing, it's a time of commitment. Let's stand out, just to give ourselves to this.